Okay. Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hey, my little sweetness. So we've had some technical difficulties. Um, I just think this is kind of weird because whenever I give you the invite for the uh, meeting and comes in, the audio just doesn't work. And then when we go to is it works fine. So I don't know what's going on. But and I guess that's because technology doesn't like me. I've told you that. Well, when you label it that way, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, <laughs> it's reality. Te- technology doesn't like me. Remember the time at TA when I was subbing and the boys had um, computers? I walked in with the class to the computer room and all of a sudden the teacher says, I don't understand it. These computers were working fine just a second ago. Now they're all now they're all down. <laughs> what happened? And I said to the teacher, that's because I'm here. And I, I walked guess in the so. room and they started working again. But why did it work for the past two years? And all of a sudden now? Maybe there was a change in my electromagnetic energy. Sure, sure. All right, we'll do with the topic for today. What's something you once strongly believed and now you don't believe in at all? <laughs> Uh, Santa Claus in the Easter Bunny. Um, the power for us to shape our own destiny. <laughs> oh, yeah, you really thought that? Yes, yes. What? What? When did it? When did your mind change? Uh, it was a slow erosion. Oh, okay. For many years. When I saw very clearly just how little control I really did have over my life. Well, actually, it's like, um, what's it, that prayer that they say for Alcoholics Anonymous about oh. um, uh, give me the, what the Give me the, the strength. strength. The, the, it's the, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. The strength to change the things I can, the serenity to accept the things I can't, and the wisdom to know that there's between the two. Really, the, uh, the, the, the what I'm starting to realize oh, more and more yeah. that, um, you know, the um, let's, let's put it this way, the way that the, especially in the United States, we are basically raised with the idea that we can control everything, we can totally shape our own destiny, and there is there are some things in life we can do. To a certain extent, yes, like not getting involved in, you know, risky behavior, not getting involved in drugs. And, you know, um, basically, I said, you know, I'm not, um, you know, keeping away from danger, from something that's a dangerous situation. Um, and, um, you know, there's a certain amount of planning that, you know, it's good for people to have a certain amount of planning in their life. Like I can understand, say somebody uh, doesn't want to get married until they have their BA degree. That's kind of, that's understandable. Some people don't want to get married until they're, you know, finished with high school. Um, uh, you mean college or? Some, some people college, some people high school, depending upon what type of, you know, professions you want to go into. Yep. Ima, go Ima, into I don't think anybody is waiting until after high school. Okay. Never mind. Continue. Continue. No, there's going to be some prize. There's some, there's some people. Okay. Who um, really are not college material. Mm-hmm. And, they just want to graduate high school and either go right into a a job right into the right into a job or 
they want to start their own business or they want to go into a profession that just requires um, a few months of training or one or two years of training. Like a police officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I'm surprised. I have met, I met a woman uh, when my mother was in the assisted living home. This woman was a professional medicine dispenser. That was her job. Her job was to know how to dispense medicine. She had to know the dosage, how to administer it. If it was a shot, just how to administer it. That was her expertise. That was her whole training. It was like um, she had, I think, two years of an AA degree that, you know, for for this training. Mm -hmm. And she was earning more than your father and I who had BA degrees. Well, that's, I mean, that's very true. I mean, that's, that was a lie. I think people have been told and they're just waking up now that like, you don't need college to make money. You know, the the college, what college was supposed to do was supposed to show your employer that you know how to follow directions. You know how to stay on task. You know how to complete a task and you're very willing to learn, but that's slowly shifting because people you have all sorts of stupid, crazy degrees people are getting themselves. And then you have all sorts of things that are happening with college being so ridiculously expensive and swimming all this debt. And the idea was it might be expensive, but I could pay that off in about a year or two. And now it's like, I don't think I'll ever pay this off and I'm swimming. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, that that's kind of the frustration and the the eventual realization where I, I, I'm hoping colleges become obsolete or they become like a rare occasion like it used to be where it's like most people can make their money going to trade school or doing whatever and not necessarily needing a college degree and having college kind of go back to the basics you know i i think it's it's kind of funny and silly i was watching this tv show called community and it was kind of poking fun at a lot of colleges with their ridiculous you know courses like they had a course analyzing uh, a TV show, Who's the Boss? And they they did a whole episode <laughs> about it. And it, it was just because it's like you you see these articles ever so often. And I remember reading this as a kid and I still remember seeing stuff now where it's like, oh, there's a college course that's going to analyze all the Simpsons episodes. You know, <laughs> or like, oh, I'm going to we're having a class that's going to analyze all of Taylor Swift's songs. You know, it's just like you have people wasting their money. That's like nine hundred dollars minimum. Uh, 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 of of and plus, I would say about sixteen sixteen to twenty hours a week of your time for three months that you're gonna spend. Like that's it's just it just seems insipid. Like I I I don't understand it. Um, you know, but that again, that's that's the whole point. It's just it's such a waste. Um, but on to something else that I find very interesting. Uh, what's something you hate, but you just can't avoid? Ah, oh gosh. Oh my God. Hate, but can't avoid. Traffic could be one. Oh, now I see what you mean. Yeah. I'm thinking in terms, I always think in terms of food for some reason. Oh yeah? (laughs) Whenever people ask me questions, I'm always, I don't know what it is. I'm always making food analogies. Food analogies? Yeah, like. We went to um when, um, I think it was one of your siblings was you, was in like preschool. They 
took a trip to the National Aquarium. And every fish I saw, I started to say to like some of the, you know, the, the other mothers around me, mm, olive oil with a little basil and garlic. And, oh, well, that group of fish looked delicious on my table. And it was like every fish, I, every well, kosher fish, every kosher fish I saw, I was sort of talking about recipe, fish recipes. <laughs> One of the mothers said, she said, why is it every single fish you look at, you're thinking of food? <laughs> so, well, that's what they're for, really. I mean, yeah. But, um, like I was thinking about, um, there's um, Sergei Rachmaninoff's Piano Concerto Number no. 2. And the very ending of that concerto, I think is really beautiful. I think it's got a really dramatic ending. But most of the recordings I've heard of it, for some reason, the concert artists that perform it, it's like, where's the fire? Yeah. It's like, it's like, I, it's like they're saying to the audience, okay, I've survived playing one of the most difficult piano concerti, you know, on the universe. Now, just, um, I'm now, just let me run out of here. They always take that ending and just, you know, run right through it as fast as they can. Whereas there was one artist, I forgot who it was. I think it might have been Vladimir, Vladimir Ashkenazi, who when he took the ending on one of the recordings he did, he slowed it. I mean, he took that ending very slowly. And I thought to myself, oh, this is great. It's like savoring a delicious piece of steak to the very last spicy morsel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So I have another question then. What's the worst gift you've received? <laughs> oh, worst gift. Worst gift. Worst gift. Trying to think. Hmm. I I know a worst gift that I got. What did you get? Uh, it? It, was, it was Hanukkah time. Uh, I was a kid. And... I got some chess set with the for two dollars for amazing savings. It's still here's why I know it's two dollars because it still had the price tag on it. <laughs> Who gave it to you? You don't want to say. Uh, I uh, we'll we'll talk about it later. I'll tell was, you later. Was was it one of these class things with the no, I hated no. it. Oh, your father and I went to the same Hebrew school. Yeah. And every Hanukkah they did the same thing, where everybody brought gifts, and um put them in a big pile had to be wrapped up so you didn't know it had to be wrapped up in wrapping paper so you didn't really know what you were getting and you put it in a big pile and then everybody like one by one chose you know like they got, got around and just chose them or mm -hmm. you got the name of somebody who you and this other person would exchange gifts your father and I hated that because we I don't know what it was that we we always wound up with the booby prizes and like the worst gift I got was balls and jacks. I hated balls and jacks. I couldn't play the game. I had no motor coordination mm -hmm. and I hated it. And when I would get a game of balls and jacks, I felt like I wanted to cry. Your father told me one year that his sister couldn't believe it. She got a bar of soap. Oh, and I funny. remember how often I would come back with these, you know, ridiculous gifts that somehow me and this other person had exchanged. And my mother would go, I don't believe you got that gift. I spent 
Like I spent such and such on the gift to make it nice. And here you've got this lousy little, you know, thing. And um, they finally, um, eventually they made a rule. They said, everybody is to spend no less than $2.50. Oh, wow. It took, it took a few years for that to happen. I guess parents started complaining or something. When I, Because I remember when I was in like, it was more like fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade was when they finally came out with a letter. They sent a letter home saying, we're exchanging gifts. Please do not spend anything less than $2.50. Oh, okay. So, you know. So, so, uh, what so is the most idea. ridiculous thing someone what, what, has been... What was, what was the matter with the $2 chess set? It I was... Like okay, so this, the issue was, was that, like, I was paying attention to everybody else that was getting something and they were all extremely not extremely but more expensive and more exclusive and definitely something that had more thought into it um and i noticed it and it upset me because i didn't expect the person to do that i thought they would put a little more thought and care and money into a gift they want to give me because I thought they cared about me. Oh well. Yeah. It's well, okay. actually some well, sometimes with some of these some of the with some of the discount stores, like Amazing Savings, um, the same thing that you would find, say, in another retail store Ema, would be more expensive. Ima. If yes. it if it was a discount store. And they had a good prices, and they were shopping for for multiple other presents in that discount store, and that mm-hmm. discount store was still selling other products that were there at higher prices. Yes, for more and it had more thought and understanding. And then maybe, I was just maybe, a second maybe thought. thought maybe no, Ima, what you're doing is you're trying to legitimize. Like no, <laughs> like no. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Ima. you did this when I was younger. I'm not buying it now. I, I'm, okay. I'm too old for that bull. I'm sorry. Just get used to it. People are kind of mean and kind of kind of junky, and mm-hmm. uh, that's just how life goes. And I've made, would, I've made, I've, well, I, I have had. Like, ter- I would have liked a chess set. I like a chess. I like chess sets. Sure, I would have liked Good it for you. Get me a chess set for Hanukkah, okay? I'll get you a dollar <laughs> chess set that attaches to your keychain, <laughs> and you're gonna love it because I care about you so much. Oh, good. I can play it. <laughs> I can play it while I'm driving. <laughs> you know what? Here's this. Just go on. Go on your phone. Download the chess app. Play it and there you go. All right, done. I I I, I got it for you. Uh-huh. I didn't even know there was a chess app. <laughs> yeah, there's chess apps. I'll I'll find one for you and I'll send it to you to download. Um, uh, yeah, you right. can download a chess app. You can play chess. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> um, I can beat my see if I can beat myself. Ever yeah. try to beat yourself in a game of chess? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a couple of times. We had so when I was in high school. It was kind of funny because it was like a whole fad for like a year or two or three where all the guys were playing chess. Um, and so everyone got really into it. And one of the things people were going to people did was they would just play chess by themselves where they'd play against themselves. And they tried to strategize against themselves and, and do what they can to like, you know, intensify it. Um, it was funny. Two guys that like would play chess together all the time. They 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 had moves like so far down the line that they would they wouldn't even set up the chess the chess game the way it's normally set up. They'd set it up with their moves that they already had planned out. 
<laughs> it was really funny. It was really funny. Um, yeah, that that was really cool. Um, I remember playing chess with you. I remember Tati got me into a chess club. I don't think I ever mentioned this on on the podcast, but I did a chess club when I was younger for like for a little bit. It was a nice afternoon. It was post class, so like it started at like four thirty. We had like it was an hour or a half hour long, um, and the lady there was talking about chess and told us different things about chess. And I thought it was really cool. It was really neat. I really enjoyed it. Was this, um, I don't know if it was you or one of your other, or Yosei, but I remember there was um, a Russian chess master mm-hmm. that actually had a, um, uh, had chess classes after school at TA. And I think it might have been Yosei. It might that have been Yosei because um, I had a woman. Yeah. I remember remember there being a, uh, being, it being a mm-hmm. woman and talking to her and asking her questions and things like that. And having a whole conversation about it. It was really nice. Um, was she was she a good chess player? Was she like a master? I don't chess know. I, I guess she was decent. I mean, I was in fourth grade. I wasn't like, I'm not some genius. <laughs> I love it how like either, either it was just you or Tati or both or just whatever. Like, I don't know. People always like, oh, you're so smart. You're a genius. You're this, that, and the other. I'm like, no, I'm just, I was just a kid and not knowing what I was doing. And I was complimented too much. So I thought I had to know everything perfectly on the first try, <laughs> which was it's just nothing I'm learning actually about like overly complimenting your children is not a good thing because they have this weird confidence or this weird pressure. Like they have to do everything like exact on the first try. It had to be amazing. And if not, you were a failure. They didn't like, there wasn't any understanding of like, no, you can suck for a while and learn and work on it mm-hmm. and eventually mm-hmm. get better. You know, there was a, actually, we had, when I was taking a, um educational classes, educational psych and, Foundations of Education at um, mm-hmm. Towson. Yeah, that came up because they were at that time we were coming out of the educational approach from the generation before us, which was very negative, where kids were shamed, kids were called names and um, blamed for everything, and with the belief that it would make them tough, it would make them better able, better equipped to face life, um, or they would work if you if you shamed them or you know yelled at them they would work harder and now in our, my generation as we were being trained we were coming into the idea of being more positive with kids and more encouraging so that came, that that came up that question about how much you know how much positive um how much they have in other words how should there be criticism if so what should be the nature of the criticism does criticism really work uh, does constant compliments work? And we were reading studies about that. And the conclusion of many of these studies was that honesty was the best policy. If a child is doing something well, tell them they're doing something well and tell them what they did, exactly specifically what they did that was good. If a child is not understanding something or if a child is really in, is, is not developing this particular skill um, very well, then be honest and, but, you know, give them information, say, this is, this is what you need to, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. That is not accomplishing the test. This is what you, now this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. In other words, stick to, um, don't, in other words, stay away from personal comments, stick to the task. This is what you need to do to get this answer it's it's funny because i you know they they had this thing when i was growing up about like everybody gets a trophy do you remember that whole craze 
I remember that. Yeah, because I remember your Aunt Judy, um, Kate, when she was growing up, came in at the beginning of that philosophy. And I remember when she came home from what was called sports day, the field day. It was field day where the entire day was nothing but sports, the entire day and, and sports and competitions. And she came home with this little trophy, second place in tug of war. <laughs> and my older sister and I looked at each other and we go, second place tug of war? What's that supposed to mean? And of course, my mother swooped in, you know, very, very quickly and said, "Quiet, you do." Well, that's well, that's the thing they they found out that that actually didn't work and it was really bad, um, actually not healthy for for kids because they themselves knew it was cheap, and then it just discredited anything they've ever worked for because no matter how hard they tried, it was always because like, well, maybe this was just given to me. I didn't really work hard for it, and it just broke the whole psyche. It was a whole problem that's why it's like i'm always on the fence whenever there's a new age like child psychology concept to work on you know like i'm trying to learn more about like raising kids and things like that and like you know listening to different perspectives and hearing different people online and it's like some stuff is good some stuff is not some stuff is like i'm on the fence about and i think it's it's really going to be i'm just going to have to you know read a bunch of stuff but really got to go by my instinct more than anything else and and dealing with the kid being diff like each kid's gonna be different anyways you know like i'm just I'm just thinking out loud here um but yeah it's just i guess that's the way are you are you preparing yourself well i mean for parents book i'm just i'm, I'm just Is thinking about it you, you know told me? no ima i'm just <laughs> i'm just i'm just thinking about it um because it's just like you know I don't know. It, it's so weird when it comes to just thinking of raising kids and, and, and dealing with like well, I was... all, all, pa- all parents agree about one thing, though, what? about that there is nothing in the world, no matter how many books you read, magazine articles will prepare you, you for know, the blah, blah, blah. Right. There's nothing in the world that will prepare you for being a parent. Yes. But they say the people that prepare it. have a higher probability because they have the instinct to prepare than the ones who didn't at all. That's the truth. They uh, say it real. I, I know. I've read. I've read. And I've read articles that said that. Where it said like, "Are you a better parent if you prepare or if you don't prepare?" And the answer is, if you're willing to prepare and put in the effort to understand something, then that shows you that you're that you're going to be better than someone who didn't prepare at all and just went off off the cuff. You know, on average. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's perfect. You know, I kind of learned from my mistakes where it's like nothing is perfect and you can you can only be prepared for so much before life just kicks you in the balls. So like I'm not totally <laughs> whatever. I had a friend who when it came to, you know, like trying to control things in your life and like we, when we first started this discussion, you know, and trying to, you know, to see like how much control we really do have over life. She always said she says. Well, the whole story was that her father was in the hospital and he was, um, I forgot, evidently he he did have something life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And the doctor came out and told her that he that, that is the doctor that he doesn't expect her father to live through the night. So she said to this doctor, um, doctor, have you checked your driver's license? And he says, have I checked my driver's license? She says, yeah. She goes, tell me. When you check your driver's license, what does it say on there? Does it say your name or does it say G-D? 
But and oh, it, turned oh, out, oh. it turned out her father lived for another two years. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's so many stories of doctors diagnosing one thing or another, and you learn that like, oh, they live for this, that, and the other. But that's again, yeah, that's but, life. That's a crapshoot. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah, but that's what I, that's what I mean is that none of us have a crystal ball. None. We're not God. We don't have a crystal ball. And as long as we're honest people, we're not criminals who are out to harm people or rob, but we're out to live, you know, good, honest lives. We mm -hmm. can only make the you know the best decisions that we can with the information and the skills we have. That's all that can be expected of us. Okay. Um, on a different note, what is the most ridiculous thing someone has been mad at you for? Um let me think. How much how much longer do we have in this conversation? I, just, I just, could go on and on and on and on. Sure. I have a list, man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you if I got a list. Okay. Um, people mad at me. Oh my gosh, for ridiculous little things. Um I know there's been a lot of them. Computer processing, please wait. It's okay. Um, got all the time. I was um I was talking to someone on a cell phone while I was driving, mm -hmm. and I drove into I don't know a bad cell or something. This was like when cell phones. You're talking about way back in the early 2000. Yeah. When you know cell phones still needed to be perfected, and you had you had areas where. Either there was no coverage or if there was police activity sometimes mm -hmm. or if there was um, some sort of um, like there could be some sort of like airplane flying overhead. And mm -hmm. when I got home, this person accused me of purposely hanging up. Interesting. And I tried to explain, no, I did not hang up. I drove into a bad cell and they wouldn't believe me. Well, that's people. It is what it is. Then there was what else? Have about um let me see uh I know there's a lot let me see um oh yeah I had a voice teacher um many years ago at Peabody and he um I was only 14 years old so I didn't drive yeah and me and a guy, a, a guy friend, um, who's also interested in classical music, this voice teacher of mine was giving a recital. So of course I wanted his students, I want to be there. So my mother didn't drive and my father was working. So there was no one at my house that could take us. So he said, he, his mother said that she would take us fine. So we're waiting, waiting. So the mother comes home from work and um, my friend goes to his mother and said, Ma, you know, um, when, when are we going to leave for the concert? And she says, oh, she goes, I had such a horrible day at work today. I'm exhausted. No, she goes, I can't take you. And so my voice teacher was mad at me that I didn't make it to his recital. I missed his recital. I mean, hey, I'm 14 years old. I don't drive. I mean, come on. I'm a kid. You know, give the kid a break. <laughs> but that's that's the issue with being a kid and a teenager. It's like there there were so many times that I was yelled at or got in trouble for things that like I didn't do. 
and I had to explain myself and I was ignored. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's that's the issue of being a child and a teenager that you have to just work through where it's like you're not always going to be believed. People aren't going to always just listen to you. And you got to get to a point where, like, you have to be able to build trust and learn about reputations and just take it on the chin, I guess. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's well, it's just one of the frustrating things. I, I remember this one time. It, this was so frustrating um, because it's it's kind of like a happenstance story. And I was thinking about it earlier uh, earlier uh, t- uh, today, actually. Um, so I was going to Rabbi Goldberger's shul, um, and they had this really tall stairs on the outside. And I was I was going for a bar mitzvah. I was like in seventh grade, and I was kind of bored, but also like just enjoying myself. And like what I like doing is I like seeing droplets fall and then splatter. So I was going ahead and like letting my saliva build up and then <laughs> dropping it and then letting it hit the ground. Oh no! And I was just oh, having fun no. just doing that, and all of a sudden, um. I didn't realize that while I was doing it, because I had ADHD, I was like just zoning the fuck, going zoning out, whatever. <laughs> um, these kids were bugging this guy that was running the 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 shul kitchen for the kiddish. He got pissed off, and he's like, "Get yelling at everybody!" It's like, "Get out of there!" Never all these kids run, and then then like right when he looks up, I'm spitting down. Oh no! And it hits him. And he, and he's like, you, you, you're spitting at me. I, like, he got really upset. And, I'm like, and I tried to explain, like, I tried to explain myself. It just didn't work out. And he knew Tati. And he oh, no. went to Tati. And Tati's like, you're going to apologize to him. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. And I tried to explain it. But, like, I was a seventh grader, so I didn't really have the comprehension level. Right. And the verbal expressions to be like, hey, I can't do this. Like, no, that's not what happened. And I was in the mikvah. But naked, and <laughs> my and Tati made me go ahead and apologize to the guy. Oh no! I'm like mother, f- <laughs> I was so pissed. I was so pissed. It was just very frustrating. But whatever, it, it is what it is. It's I, life. I mean, to, I, to apologize to someone when you're not wearing any clothes on—that's kind of degrading. Really, it's kind of degrading. It's kind <laughs> of degrading. No, it is degrading, Ema. It is degrading. You don't have to downplay every single thing that happens. You, you can admit that some things are kind of junky. All right? Like my freaking chess game I got for Hanukkah. Whatever. Um, you, still, you still have it? I'll take it. No. I, I think I gave it away or something. I was just so pissed off. I didn't touch it for like years. And then when finally someone else wanted it, I just gave it to him. I was just so upset. Because like because like everyone else got all these good, good presents and everyone else got all this stuff. And then, like, I was expecting something at least, and I saw it. It was like some junky two dollar chess game, and I'm like, I, 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 I actually, I started to cry. I was like, I was, I was like seven, seven years old, seven or eight years old at the time. Um, and it's funny. It's I can laugh about it now because you know I'm not allowed to express any other feeling. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're running out of time. But I want to ask you one more question: What scares you the most? Making these podcasts with you. <laughs> Really? It's scary for you? What are you scared? What makes you scared? What makes you scared? People are listening to what we're saying, man. So what? You must so what? Doesn't matter. It's just I people mean, listening. I mean, this is I mean, this is this this is recorded. This is like etched in gold. I mean, long after I leave this world, someone's gonna turn this on and listen. 
Sure, sure. Two hundred years. You have some college students studying you on your on this podcast, being like, "Hmm, it's interesting how she said this and then that, and she was born here." And da 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 da. It's fine. Yeah, Don't worry de- about de- it. Deviant behavior in the Jewish mother. Yes, okay. Deviant behavior in the Jewish mother. Oh, yeah, be a host. So, yes. <laughs> whatever. It is what it is. You know. So that really the podcast scares you. I'm joking around with you now. I know what scares you the yeah. most, Dima. Scares me the most. Oh, child trafficking, Alzheimer's, <laughs> brain aneurysms. Um, actually, you did hit on something like, um, you know, I, I guess it frightens most people that we all, God willing, hope to face old age with our minds intact, our minds oh, and, our, yeah. and our bodies fairly intact. You know, like fairly, you know, like at least being able to you know, to walk and talk normally and to, you know, be able to um, be able to you know, basically care for your own personal needs without, you know, without anybody else helping. And you see so many people, like I, I see some of my neighbors, mm-hmm. one in particular who, unfortunately, his health is deteriorating and he um, he can't walk anymore he needs constant help and also take take taking care of your father yeah watching him deteriorate was very frightening to see somebody who was so self-reliant and who was the you know the take charge guy just over a period of years totally how can i say it fuzzle out morph whatever into someone who could not do the simplest of tasks yeah i mean i that, think about- that's that's scary and you and you just you know i, I guess I, I just hope yeah i think many people who are say like in like over 60 ish yeah that I'm, I'm sure we all feel, most of us feel the same way that we just pray to god and hope that we don't we don't have anything so debilitating see, like when i see what's going on with president biden Oh yeah, and it irritates me. I mean, I'm believe me, I'm po- politics wise, I'm no fan. Believe me, far from it. But he's a as a human being, it irritates me when I hear news commentators actually joking around yeah. about his condition, calling him Sleepy Joe, yeah, and laughing about um, him becoming forgetful and. I think one newscaster, I think, really hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. He said he didn't like it either. And he said, quite honestly, he says he feels that what, and like, I don't want to get political, but, you know, what said was so true. He says what his, what the Democrats are doing to Joe Biden is cruel. He mm-hmm. says they're putting him up there. They see him deteriorating. He goes, he said, this is really elder abuse. And he said, they should really, um, you know, that they really, he felt, he felt that the Democrats were really torturing him and that they should gently just, you know, take him out of office, get him, get him the help, you know, the, the actual help that he needs and just let him relax, let him enjoy life mm-hmm. and, you know, have somebody else, you know, who's just have somebody who physically can take over the job. Because physically, he really, everyone sees what's going on. He really cannot do it. Well, that's why they're going to have Kamala Harris. That's the whole point. 
listen, you know, but there's um there's a checks and balance system. You know, she doesn't have absolute power. And yeah. um whatever the president know. does has to be okayed by Congress. So, you know. No, I get it. I get it. I, I usually try to avoid talking about politics on the podcast. I mean, my main goal here is to gather information from you and your experience, mm-hmm. but not necessarily political points and political climate because mm-hmm. it splits people, it's redundant, and I don't think we have anything yeah. new to say. So like true. I really don't. Yeah. Like everything's that that needs to be said has been said. I, I I listen to a few podcasts to hopefully get something new and interesting and a different perspective, blah blah blah. But it's all the same thing. You know, the yes. leftists are gonna say one thing, right wing mm-hmm. is gonna say another. Like it's just it's so like, and the thing is, it's so predictable nowadays. I don't need to waste my mm-hmm. time reading an article just by, I can tell just by various expressions and inflections of, of certain adjectives. I'm like, oh, you're clearly slanted one way and you're going to say it's this before I read the whole, I don't need to, I can see mm-hmm. the headline, read a couple of paragraphs and you're like, oh, I, I see where you're going with this. Okay. I'm done. And just right. move on. Like it just, and, yeah. and that goes with, with anybody. And, and that's, what's so crazy at this point where like, like, it's just, I think everybody's on the same page and we're just tired of being lied to. And it's going to get to a point where it's just like, I don't know, like it's, it's getting crazy. And I'm getting kind of worried with the Jewish community, to be honest, you know, with what Kanye West said, and then with getting all these death threats and bomb threats going on, like the ones in New Jersey right now, the whole, okay, we're going to leave, but the whole New Jersey is being, Uh um, threatened, threatened with um bomb scares for all the synagogues for shabbos all new jersey Do you know that, jersey. That, that information did not get down here uh I it's all that. it's all over I, the news i know i haven't the fbi I haven't made on, a statement oh they did because i haven't yeah. heard it on the news stations down here in florida all right well we gotta go thank okay. you Ma. love you honey have a love great you. shabbos bye bye Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook at Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I know you would like it, and my mother would too.